Okay, then I think I got it. Man, there's just one strange device. But hey, if that other guy can figure it out, then so can I. So I guess I just talking to this thing. Uh, hello. This is Captain William Moore here, founder of Mooresville and Explorer Extraordinaire. Uh, I'm doing this because uh, I was told by that boy that he talks about obscure and weird things throughout history. And, well, you know, now, now I'm here. And I find that an insult. He says it's an accident, but I know better. He thinks I'm an obscure figure. I'm not. I'm William Moore. So I, I, I guess he talks into this thing and other people can hear it. So you know what? I'm going to educate you about me. And then I'll show you who's a historical footnote. So I'll tell you about me. On this week's episode of... What was it called? What do you say? It was Historical hijinks, I think? It all began in 1822, when I was born in Germany. Now, I was always one for exploring because at the age of seven, I was sailing the North Seas, and by age 24, I had moved to America to work on riverboats in New Orleans. But I wanted more, to strike it rich. So I moved to San Francisco to join the California Gold Rush and make my mark. But I was too late. Most of the gold had already been taken, and all that was left was the scraps left over from the earlier prospectors. After that, I moved me and my family around, went to Queen Charlotte Islands to look for gold, but that trip didn't bear any fruit. So we started trading in Peru, but that didn't turn out too well either. So, uh, we went to Goat Island and raised goats. And, well, eh, I wish that there was another gold rush, another chance to strike it big. Luckily, there was news of some gold in British Columbia. So, me and my family embarked for Canada. So we packed up, and us, along with 30,000 other gold seekers, moved to British Columbia. That's where I first made my money. But, you know, not, not in mining, but I, I would move the miners around and deliver them supplies the, uh, up and down the river. Luckily, I had experience in this from my youth, so it wasn't too difficult. I went my way through multiple gold rushes in the area, the Big Bend Gold Rush, the Caribou Gold Rush. But then, but I was tired of chasing people around. So, I went to Alaska. I was looking at maps and where gold was, and I figured, and I assumed that there was a very big deposit in the Klondike. In an 1887 boundary survey expedition around the White Pass, I found an area that would be most likely the jumping-off point for expeditions into the Klondike, and I decided to get a head start on it. It was a valley, and I decided to buy up the land and make a homestead there. For the next ten years, me and my son worked hard to build the infrastructure needed in order to support a mining boom, and sure enough, I was right. Gold was discovered in the Klondike, and people started to pour in to what I would call Mooresville, and the only way that they were getting supplies was through me. I was certainly set up to be a success. But then, there were much more prospectors than first anticipated. Thousands began to overrun the beach. These stampeders called themselves sourdoughs because most of the bread was made without yeast, giving it a sour taste. And soon the area became so packed 
tents everywhere that people started to infringe upon my property. They even started calling it Skagway. Those good-for-nothing people. People just kept pouring in and just ru ruining everything. Uh, a good man like me. And the... Uh, what are you doing? Oh, I was just uh, doing what you did, telling people that... Get off of that. Hey, what, hey, what are I... Hey, hey. Get out. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, sorry, I guess he figured out how to, how to do that. Yeah. Oh, well. What was he talking about? Oh, Glondite. Yeah, William Moore. Uh, I guess, well, I'm back in charge, so I guess I'll tell you a bit about him. But he left out some fun things. Like, you weren't allowed to take the pass into the gold mines without a year's worth of supplies, because, you know, you had to pass through Canada, and their law, and you had to have a lot, so you needed, oof, so much supplies. It was very hard carrying it when I was there. Oof. Yeah, he missed I time traveled. It was very cold, but hey, I, uh, I also met Jack London, author of uh, Call of the Wild. And then I punched Jack London, author of Call of the Wild, because I had to write a book report on that in 8th grade, and I did not like it too much. I saw the beginning of the construction of the Alaskan Railway. Very cool. Yeah, there was lots of very fun things back then. Very cold, lots of, lots of death. Pe people, people died very easily back then. Man, I'm happy antibiotics are around. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that was, was very fun, and I, uh, managed to get, I managed to get a bit of gold, uh, it was just enough to pay off all the parts I had to buy for the time machine. That was nice. Anyway, I'll be able to try to figure out how to, how to, I'm gonna figure out how to get William Moore back home. So yeah, that'll be fun. That guy's a weirdo. You know they had a pet moose, and then once it died, they put its head on the wall. I mean, who does that? Like, could you imagine? Daddy, Daddy, I think Fluffy's dead. Don't worry, honey. We'll stick its head on the f wall. What, what, what parent does that? Well, either way. So, hey, uh, why don't we, after that debacle, I'm gonna take a break and, uh, do, uh, a question that one of you sent. Alright, yeah, sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. Alright, this one says, Why do so many flags from Africa have very similar colors? Oh, well, uh, that, that's a fun answer, because, see, there, it, it's, in, it's in reference to Ethiopia. See, Ethiopia's flag is, uh, yellow, green, and red, and while well, it has a star and a blue circle now, it used to be, have, like, a lion on it, and it's really interesting, because, uh, they were the only African nation to not be colonized, although the Italians might say otherwise. <laughs> anyway, so, that's a short answer, but you might be wondering, why were they not colonized, but, like, everyone else? Well, it's, uh, it's interesting. See, unlike the rest of Africa before, uh, European colonizers, Ethiopia was actually Christian, they were uh, their own brands of Coptic Christianity, and uh, it, they uh, they they actually adopted it really early, like before most of Europe did. And this, along with a stroke of luck, really helped them. See, during the Crusades, somehow a uh, word of uh, there was a like a like a legend kind, not really legend, but more like word of mouth got around that there was a there was a secret there was a secret Christian kingdom to the east of the Middle East with a king called Prester John and you know and had a very powerful army and you know this being the Crusades 
and the Christians fighting the Middle East for different reasons sometimes, sometimes political, sometimes religious. So doesn't matter right now. The point is, is that they were and that they thought that there was a powerful Christian kingdom in the East that they could get allies from. Uh, but no one found it because, you know, if there's not really one. This is before colonialism and so there wasn't really anything. But they searched around. And a few centuries later, uh, the Portuguese managed to get to Ethiopia. And they were like, hey, wait, this is a Christian kingdom that we haven't heard of, that we haven't had contact to. It's kind of to the east of the Middle East. This must be, these people must be the, the, the descendants of Prester John. And the Ethiopians look at the, look at the Portuguese with their, with their giant boats and guns and go, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And the Portuguese go, look, you guys are supposed to be super strong. Let's make an alliance. And then the Ethiopia's like, yeah, sure, let's do that. Of course, Ethiopia was not the superpower of, uh, kingdom of Christian warriors. I mean, but they were still, I mean, they, they were good fighters, but like not like the Portuguese had thought. But the Portuguese still made the alliance and still had to hold up their end of the deal. And, well, because no one in Europe wanted to fight Portugal... They just kind of left Ethiopia alone until World War II, where the when the Italians tried to take it over, but Ethiopia survived that. So yeah, only African nation to stave off uh, colonialism. I guess that's all the time that I have for this week. I gotta figure out how to get this guy back, back home. Either way, thank you so much for listening. Uh, yeah, if you wanna give me topic ideas, you can reach me with on Twitter with at his hijinks or you know. Uh, historical hijinks podcast at gmail.com thank you so much for listening i'm nicholas fowler and william moore get out of here and this has been one for the history books